If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome. This is episode 146 of the Leading Learning Podcast. This time around, we talk with Dr. Deborah Culley, Secretary of the Board of Directors for the American Board of Anesthesiology, about the ABA's microlearning initiative and its evolving approach to maintenance of certification. But before diving into the conversation about microlearning and maintenance of certification, we want to offer a message from Next Thought, our sponsor for the third quarter of 2018. Brought to you by Next Thought, associationsnext.com is your opportunity to learn from some leading thinkers in e-learning and membership organizations, as well as giving you the chance to test drive the Next Thought LMS platform. In this educational series, you'll uncover new knowledge about instructional design, digital strategy, and staying true to your organization's long-term goals in the face of rapid change. Kiki Latalian, Tracy King, and Lowell Applebaum lead the first three modules, and more courses will be added on a monthly basis. Visit associationsnext.com to enroll and experience the revolutionary Next Thought LMS for yourself. And I definitely do recommend checking out associationsnext.com. Next Thought is up to some great stuff there. But now let's turn back to the focus for this episode of the podcast. And Salisa, you were the one who got to speak with Dr. Deborah Culley. What did you and she cover? Well, Deb and I focused on the ABA's Mocha Minute and Mocha 2.0. Mocha 2.0 is the umbrella term for the ABA's evolving maintenance of certification in anesthesiology program. And Mocha Minute is a micro-learning initiative that figures prominently into Mocha 2.0. And Deb shares not only what the ABA is doing, but why it's doing it and Spoiler alert, it has to do with better aligning the maintenance of certification process with what we know actually works for learning. So things like spaced learning and repetition. You got to love that. Uh, I mean, we love anything where we're hearing that certification or any other sort of experience is actually aligning with what works for learning. And ABA has been a real leader in that, and we've referenced them on many occasions. And we should note that the idea for this interview came from Jack Corson, who is a leading learning listener and has heard us talk about ABA before. And he was interested in learning more about what the ABA is doing with microlearning. So now you know, dear listeners, that you can also always reach out to us with ideas and suggestions. And in fact, we welcome them. If there's a topic you want to know more about, if there's an organization you want to hear more about, if there's an expert you want to hear from, you can always go and comment on any episode of Leading Learning at leadinglearning.com. And we will take that to heart and do our best to bring you that, uh, that content. But with that, let's get on to the interview with Dr. Deborah Culley of the American Board of Anesthesiology. Hello out there. I'm Salisa Steele. This is the Leading Learning Podcast, and today I'm talking with Deborah J. Cully, MD. Dr. Cully is an attending physician and vice chair of research at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston and an associate professor of anesthesiology at Harvard Medical School in Boston. She also serves as secretary on the board of directors for the American Board of Anesthesiology. 
And the mission of the ABA is to advance the highest standards of the practice of anesthesiology. As the certifying body for anesthesiologists, since 1938, the ABA is committed to partnering with physicians to advance lifelong learning and exceptional patient care. The board administers primary and subspecialty certification exams, as well as the maintenance of certification in anesthesiology program, or MOCA, and that's designed to promote lifelong learning a commitment to quality clinical outcomes and patient safety. Dr. Kelly, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. And to start us off, Deb, uh, I want to give you the chance to say a bit more about the ABA and, and your role and your work. Well, the American Board of Anesthesiology is the certifying board for all physician anesthesiologists within the United States. As you'd mentioned, our mission is to advance the highest standards for the practice of anesthesiology, and we offer certification in anesthesiology as well as five sub specialty certifications and administer maintenance of certification programs for all of them. We've certified more than 50,000 physicians and are governed by a board of directors made up of 12 clinically active anesthesiologists and one public member. I'm currently serving as the secretary of the board and have served in the past on our maintenance of certification committee when it conceptualized the MOCA Minute. Well, great. And, and the ABA first came across my radar screen because of its micro-learning initiative, MOCA Minute. And so I'm hoping what you could do to, to start us off here is give us kind of a brief history of the why and the what of the ABA's micro-learning. So what are you doing with micro-learning and, and why did the ABA want to get into micro-learning in the first place? Well, the MOCA Minute is a web-based learning and assessment tool that we began piloting in 2014 to help anesthesiologists prepare for our once-every-10-year MOCA exam. Mm -hmm. Initially, it was designed to help physicians learn more about talk topics in which their peers hadn't performed well in previous exams, and we use it to determine if physicians are keeping up to date with regards to their medical knowledge. The MOCA Minute itself was very well received by physicians, and early research demonstrated that physicians who participated in the MOCA Minute actually performed better on subsequent exams than those that did not, even in content areas that were not covered by the MOCA Minute questions, suggesting that it actually enhanced learning in other areas as well. At the same time, we were redesigning our MOCA program to make it more relevant and meaning to, meaningful to physician practice. In 2016, we expanded the MOCA Minute pilot to gauge whether we could successfully replace the, at that time, current MOCA exam with it. The MOCA Minute consists of multiple choice questions that anesthesiologists can answer at their convenience. They can do it on a cell phone, a tablet, or their computer. Upon answering a question, physicians immediately learn if they've answered the question correctly, regardless as to whether or not they got it right or wrong. They can also receive a rationale for why the correct answer is the correct answer and the wrong answers are incorrect. And then it links them to learning resources in the event that they choose to go learn more in that particular content area. The physician anesthesiologists participating in MOCA Minute answer 30 questions per calendar quarter or 120 per year and must meet a performance standard to remain in good standing with the American Board of Anesthesiology. Unlike the once every 10-year MOCA exam, the MOCA Minute provides opportunities for learning and self-assessment. With regards to the why did we go through this process, well, MOCA Minute was initially conceptualized as a learning tool, but we quickly determined that it was also a valuable assessment tool. And unlike the traditional once-every-10-year exam, it offers convenience, it's engaging, and can actually be used to help physicians identify areas where they could benefit for significantly more learning. 
Unlike the exam, it's a lifelong learning tool. It offers continuous learning and assessment so that physicians can access new knowledge, extinguish old or no longer relevant information, and reinforce their learning. The MOCA Minute offers personalization. At the beginning of each year, we ask our diplomates to identify their practice profile, which tells us the content areas within the specialty in which the diplomate currently practices. And then their MOCA Minute questions are tailored to fit their profile, making them more relevant to their everyday practice. One of the unique features about the MOCA Minute is that it gives us an opportunity to introduce new topics on demand when the need arises. A perfect example of this has to do with the opioid crisis. As our understanding grew with regards to what the opioid crisis was and how anesthesiologists might be able to decrease the likelihood of that occurring, we have been able to generate a large number of questions and send them out to our diplomates. The MOCA Minute is a longitudinal assessment. We can track individuals' performance over time. But we can also identify trends about knowledge of our entire diplomate pool over time as well. This allows us to identify areas where physician anesthesiologists as individuals and as a whole could benefit from more learning. Accordingly, we now collaborate with continuing medical education providers to drive the development of new learning opportunities based upon the data that we've derived from the MOCA Minute. Mm, that's great. I think that's a really interesting point about both being able to look at the individual's uh, performance, but also then giving you this this broader view of of the of the profession at large. Um, in what you've shared so far, you've begun to get into this some in terms of kind of the some of the goals and some of the results that you've. Um, been seeing, but maybe you could talk a little bit more about kind of the the, the results that you're really hoping to to get from Mocha Minute, and and what specifically you're you're trying to measure and evaluate to help you gauge whether you're being um, successful in attaining those results. Well, from the conception of the Mocha Minute, we set out to create a program that was more relevant, that was easily accessible, and that was meaningful to our physician practice. We wanted to promote lifelong learning rather than episodic cramming, which occurred for the once-every-10-year examination. We also wanted to help identify topics where physicians could use additional learning and then direct them to targeted educational opportunities. We also wanted to incorporate uh, the latest advances in education technology and adult learning theory, things like space repetition to advance learning and knowledge. We also developed a prospective matrices that we were going to use to evaluate whether or not the MOCA Minute was actually a success. In the short term, we got physician feedback. We surveyed our diplomates annually since MOCA 2.0 launched and, in essence, asked them about how they liked the current program and what we could do to improve it. Over the long term, we're doing research to measure the impact of the program on physician knowledge, retention, and engagement. Well, that's great. Yeah, I like that you're, you know, trying to hit on on many fronts: the making it more relevant, uh, better aligning with what we know about how adults learn, making use of the new educational technologies. As you mentioned, the the goal is um, for the Mocha Minute to kind of move beyond pilot phase and and replace the decennial exam. What's the timeline for that? And, and what are the criteria for deciding whether the, the pilot's successful and you're going to move ahead with um, replacing the, the every 10-year exam? We applied earlier this year to our parent organization, the American Board of Medical Specialties, to transition the MOCA Minute from a pilot to a permanent program and a component of our, um, of our MOCA process. Our application for doing so was actually approved April 
in 2018. So that was a recent advancement. We decided to transition it to a permanent program component because it was widely widely embraced by our anesthesiologist and has proven to be a robust evaluation tool to assess physicians who knowledge. Physicians who participated in the initial pilot performed better on subsequent MOCA exams than physicians who did not, which was really uh, good news from our perspective. And in a 2017 survey, 77% of our diplomates surveyed reported that the MOCA Minute was serving them well as an assessment tool. It's proven to drive learning and diplomates at value it as an assessment tool. We continue to conduct research to understand its impact on physician knowledge and retention over time. Well, that's great. I, th- I thought what you shared earlier, too, about not only are they performing well in the areas that the MOCA Minute is testing them on, but other areas as well. And so this idea that it's maybe just supporting them in, in becoming better learners in general, which is really exciting. Um, I know from at least I believe it's true based on what I've read that the ABA gives physicians that use MOCA Minute three ways to access the, the question so they can get weekly emails um, or they can go to an online portal or they can use a mobile app. Have you collected data on which of those uh, methods is, is the most popular? We most certainly have. Uh, the MOCA Minute is accessed most often through the portal. That can be either via an email that's sent to them or the website. And that's 57% of our diplomates. And roughly 43% of them access it via an app that's available both for Apple and Android devices. Great. Interesting. And and so the other thing that um, I know is that Mocha Minute isn't offered in isolation, that um, it's, it's part of Mocha 2.0. And so I'm hoping that as you did for Mocha Minute, you can kind of share kind of both the what and the why of, of Mocha 2.0. Yes. Yeah, so- MOCA 2.0 is our continuing certification program, of which the MOCA Minute is a core component. Most physicians pursue board for certification following residency because it documents and demonstrates that they are meeting the highest standards in their specialty. Once they are certified, they need to maintain that certification. Although historically, board certification was a lifetime credential, you were certified once early in your career, and you remain certified for life. But with all of the rapid advances that have been occurring in medicine and technology, it became apparent that some physicians weren't keeping their medical knowledge up to date. Accordingly, in 2000, the American Board of Medical Specialties rolled out maintenance of certification that required that all medical specialties participate. The program has four components as it's currently constructed. The first one is professionalism and professional standing, which basically means that you maintain an unrestricted medical license. Lifelong learning and self-assessment is known to most people as continuing medical education. An assessment of knowledge, judgment of skills, which for us is the MOCA Minute, and improvement in medical practice, which is in essence quality improvement projects. There are activities associated with each one of these components that physicians can complete to maintain their certification, and the goal of the program really is to enhance patient outcomes and generally improve health by guiding physicians' lifelong learning. And so what's the business model that you're using, that ABA is using to support MOCA 2.0 and MOCA Minute? I I think that it's an annual fee for MOCA 2.0, which includes MOCA Minute. Do I have that right? You do. Historically, physicians have paid a fee once every 10 years of $2,100. Now they pay an annual fee of $210, and that's a part of our way of 
remaining engaged with our diplomates. We've added tremendous value to the program by investing in technology that allows us to be more agile and innovative, but the cost to physicians hasn't changed whereas the value proposition has. There are opportunities to generate dashboards and data to inform future CME development. We're planning on sharing periodic aggregate data with our CME partners. However, at some point, we could offer real-time data for a subscription fee to keep costs low for our diplomates. Ultimately, our goal is to improve public health, as I mentioned earlier, and the MOCA Minute provides an opportunity for us to address these public health concerns, such as the opioid crisis, as we discussed previously within the physician community much faster than we could ever do with a once-every-10-year exam. One of the other parts of that, dipl- of that model was that we wanted to engage our diplomates. Historically, physicians who were certified early in their careers never really had a reason to come back and engage with the American Board of Anesthesiology. With MOCA, which launched in 2004, we evolved from being a transactional organization to a partnership-driven one, with one of our primary partners being our diplomates themselves. As we redesigned the MOCA program, we relied heavily on diplomate feedback to guide our decisions. We surveyed them, we hosted focus groups, and had users groups that informed us about the development of MOCA 2.0. In other words, we didn't just do this ourselves. We actually went out and worked collaboratively with physician anesthesiologists in the community, and we continued need to actively solicit their feedback, and that drives the continuous evolution of our program. Diplomates have told us that the old exam was arduous, inconvenient, and irrelevant to their practice. In a survey in 2014, 36% of our diplomates told us that the cognitive exam was the most challenging part of MOCA, so we decided to change it. Diplomates have responded enthusiastically to the MOCA Minute primarily because it offers customization with questions related to their practice. It's convenient and it's an opportunity for them to learn new information as a part of their routine day. We surveyed diplomates for the past two years to gauge their perception about the program. And in 2017, 66% of the diplomates surveyed said that the MOCA Minute experience is better than the MOCA exam, a very high number considering that another 25% of those diplomates had never even taken the once every 10-year exam Mm. to even be able to compare the experiences. Uh, We're continuing to engage diplomates. We're creating users group now to help us form our vision for MOCA 3.0. We don't want to be stuck in a time warp. We want to keep evolving maintenance of certification so it has increasingly more value for our diplomates. Well, that's great. That sounds uh, like a a really fantastic uh, story that you're able to tell there that, you know, at at least at this point, that the costs haven't gone up, but now as an organization, the ABA is getting a steadier source of revenue, also having more frequent, more consistent interaction, and as you're reporting, um, more valuable interaction, at least from the perspective of the physicians, that they really feel like this is actually helping them with their work, which is great. So um, I I have not had, obviously, firsthand experience with MOCA 2.0. I'm not a, a physician, but I've spent some time with the publicly available materials, and it looks very sophisticated and slick and comprehensive, and that leads me to think that it took some significant resources, hu- you know, human resources as well as financial resources to get MOCA 2.0 and MOCA Minute off the ground. I mean, it probably takes significant resources to keep them going. Um, how did the ABA go about making the business case to invest in MOCA 2.0 and MOCA Minute? We all recognized as ABA directors that medical practice was changing incredibly rapidly at the current time. And in order to stay relevant, you have to be willing to innovate. 
So we are, for the most part, a forward-looking organization dedicated to providing value for our diplomates in their daily practice and their professional development. As a result, we made a strategic decision to to invest our reserves into something that would offer greater value to physicians, incorporate advancements in technology and adult learning theory, and to create a robust assessment and self-assessment tool. It was our intent to drive lifelong learning and to improve patient outcomes. Much of the work has been done by our in-house IS team, which has built the web-based platform that includes the MOCA Minute, a knowledge assessment report, and a CME Explorer. The knowledge assessment report is a summary of topics that physicians may want to spend more time studying. It's an individual report that includes peer performance data and links to related CME, whereas the CME Explorer is a searchable CME catalog for activities that count for MOCA credits and other components of the MOCA program. Well, that's great. It's fantastic that uh, it sounds to me that in large part you were able to make the case or, or um, uh, it, and maybe you didn't even really have to make the case because it aligns so closely with the mission and that uh, everyone sort of saw the, the value of, of being even more relevant and being able to help uh, physicians keep up with the fast pace of change. So I'm curious to know, what, what are some of the lessons that you've taken away from the experience of rolling out Mocha 2.0 and Mocha Minute? Do you have any words of advice or, or words of uh, caution um, that you might uh, offer to other organizations considering doing something similar to Mocha 2.0 or Mocha Minute? The American Board of Anesthesiology has always performed assessments, and we've learned that there are additional benefits by offering self-assessment opportunities to our diplomates. We've also found that communication and customer service and engagement with our diplomates is critical. We now solicit information from them, receive their feedback, and use it to enhance the program. You do need to conduct research to understand the impact on knowledge retention and patient outcomes, and we're in the process of doing that. But I think one of the most interesting things about the program is that since we launched the Mocha Minute pilot, 22 out of the 24 medical specialty boards that are under the umbrella of the American Board of Medical Specialties now have undertaken similar efforts at some sort of longitudinal assessment or modular examinations. This is a huge change within the ABMS member board community. Just five years ago, the majority of them offered an exam just once every five to 10 years. So we're now providing an entire group of physicians an opportunity to have continuous lifelong learning. Right. So part of an over, uh, even larger change, even beyond uh, anesthesiologists, which is exciting, I would think, to be in, in that place. So we've been focused on the ABA and MOCA 2.0, MOCA Minute. Uh, for our next to last question, I'm going to uh, change the perspective a little bit and ask you about uh, your own personal learning And this is a question we like to ask of everyone who comes on the Leading Learning Podcast. And so if you think uh, about the learning experiences you've been involved in since leaving your your formal education, um, which I assume was extensive uh, given uh, your uh, role as a a medical doctor, but, you know, what's been one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved in um, after finishing that formal education? Well, for me as an individual, that would be simulation. It puts you into a complex medical environment where you're likely to make mistakes and allow you to gain knowledge and experience about very rare clinical scenarios without any negative impact on patient outcomes. It's a wonderful, engaging experience, and it's probably where I learn the most. 
Ah, yes. So the the simulation, the the emulating the real world, but the safety of of a practice environment. So final question is just if listeners want to know more about the ABA, uh, about Mocha 2.0, Mocha Minute, where should they go? There are a couple of places. First, they could go to our website. The website address is www.theaba.org. They can also call us. We are available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the number there is 1-866-999-7501. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today, Deb. I really enjoyed what you had to share about what the ABA is doing with Mocha Minute and Mocha 2.0. Thank you so much, and thank you for taking the time with us as well. That wraps up our interview with Dr. Deborah Culley of the American Board of Anesthesiology. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 146. When you check out the show notes, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us to get some data on the impact of what we're doing here. We'd also be truly grateful if you'd take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. If you've been listening for a while, we'd really appreciate it. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. Salise and I personally uh, like getting those ratings and reviews, but more importantly, they help anybody who's searching for content on leading and learning to actually be able to find us. So consider leaving a rating and review on the Leading Learning Podcast as one of your kind acts of the day. And we'd be grateful if you would visit associationsnext.com. Jeff and I put a lot of effort into the Leading Learning Podcasts, and one of the main reasons we're able to do that is because of the support of sponsors. So please visit associationsnext.com, where you will have the chance to learn and to experience the Next Thought LMS in action. Finally, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, or if tweeting isn't your thing, pick the social network or other medium of your preference and spread the good word. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.